Welcome to the Spring Forth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made on December 27th, 2020, the first Sunday of Christmas. Good morning. Our call to worship is taken from Psalm, excerpts from Psalm 147, verses 13 through 21. Worship the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He has established peace on your borders. He satisfies you with the finest wheat. He sends out his commands to the earth. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He scatters hail like crumbs. Who can stand against his cold? He sends forth his word and melts them. He blows with his wind and his waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has done so to any other nation. To them he has not revealed his judgments. Hallelujah. I have no announcements this morning, nothing to contribute. 
spent. I do hope that you had a good holiday uh, gathering and that you will look forward to another safe <laughs> holiday gathering and an anniversary for the two of you back there. Happy anniversary. And do any of you have anything that you would like to have me know? <laughs> Nothing? All right, then. <laughs> Traveling light. This is usually the, the thin attendance uh, during the, the year. This is the Sunday after Christmas Eve. It's thin, but it's been thin all year, so it just looks like normal to me. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have poured upon us a new light with your incarnate word. Grant that this light enkindled in our hearts may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. For this, the first Sunday of the Christmas season, I would like to use the epistle passage. You don't really care what I preach on, just so long as it's short. But <laughs> which I can never promise that. I might I might be able to promise it today. Galatians chapter 3, 23 through 25 and 4, 4 through 7. Now what Paul is explaining to the Galatians is that we have a new inheritance, a new likeness, that we have been born and renewed through the imprint of Christ, that he becomes, he becomes our gateway and our connection to life in God. Before he realizes, before that, that realization was taking place, that we were but sort of wanderers trying to find our way, trying to figure out what is our call? What is our purpose? Connecting ourselves with Christ then not only establishes our, our true identity, but then fleshes out the entire reasons for our being. So Paul is passing this on to the Galatians because he wants them to realize that they're not dabbling idly in their faith, but they're making a full and total full body investment in this realization because it will lead them to understand what is their true identity. A reading from Paul's epistle to the Galatians. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law of sin, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Is there anything else that you wanted to play or can I just keep talking? Okay. <laughs> Marilyn says, green light, keep talking, do your thing, guy. All right. So guy's going to do his thing. Let us pray. 
Loving and most merciful God, we give you thanks for this day and for the holiday that we have just celebrated and continue to, to mark in this, the season, as we move through our 12 days towards Epiphany. We thank you for the conversations that we had and just a chance perhaps to see one another, if not in person, then through some digital medium. And it did give us some warmth and some assurance. We have but a few more days before we call this year a wrap. But of course, we realize that all the events that we have experienced in this year will spill over into the ensuing year. So we cannot go idly departing from 2020 into 2021. Help us to keep our wits about us and to take this accumulated wisdom, which some of it has been generated, if not willingly, then unwillingly, but allow us to take that wisdom and move forward so we can continue to be equipped in the coming year, listening, responding, and trying to be the people that you have called us to be. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Bless, keep, and guide us now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this Pentecost season, we were looking at the letters of Paul because I think that Paul was really speaking some words that we as a Christian community, as a faith community, could benefit from. I know I did a sort of mini sermon series on Philippians and the enthusiasm that Paul had with the Philippians really responding to the, the faith of God. But now let's take a look at this passage here as he is imparting some words of wisdom to the church in Galatia. First of all, he needs to let them understand that prior to our connection with God, it says we were those who operated underneath the law. And what he's referring to is he's referring to this Mosaic law. Moses went up the mountain, got the Ten Commandments from God, brought the tablets down and says, this is God's law. These are the things that God wants you to observe and the things that God wants you to refrain from. And if you can do that, God will set a seal upon you. And of course, as we move through the Old Testament, we realize that there was a lot of sort of trial and error and some success and much failure. And as people tried to figure out from this law, this covenant, how to truly please God. And they found out that it was a lot more difficult than we realized. So God says, you know, maybe it's time for me to do a new thing because the whole rules on paper thing with humans just, just isn't working so well. So how about if I try a different, a different path? How about I set my seal upon one individual who can truly observe all that I would want and then can teach it to people in love, sort of be a guide. So Paul is talking about this, this new way that God is presenting the covenant because God wants us to be obedient. God wants us to be in service, in partnership with the divine. But knowing that sometimes rules are heavy, Sometimes when you're told not to do something, that's the first thing you want to do, is the very thing that you've been told not to do. In fact, uh, Laura and I were traveling once and we were looking at you know, the different signs that you see that just litter the 
the city streets and there's always like, you know, do not walk here and don't stand there and mind that. And, and there's just like all of these posted rules. And Laura looked over to me and says, you do realize that many of these things came up because someone crossed a line that they didn't even know existed. And so therefore they had to like legislate and mandate and not have people walk against the light because, you know, that can be misfortunate both for driver and pedestrian. So there's that situation in which we find ourselves surrounded by rules that shout at us from almost every corner. And we don't even think about it anymore, but we live under what Paul defines as a disciplinarian. That we who are born under the law are constantly being reminded that we don't measure up. That we, you need to do more, you need to do better. And that's how people in his time existed. They existed with a sense of they would disappoint God and they would come back and offer some sort of sacrifice and try to make things right with God. And then the priest would say, yes, you have absolution. And then they would go off and try to be mindful of that thing that they did, which they shouldn't have done, but then it happens again or some new thing happens. So it's back to the temple and it's kind of this odd dance of transgression, forgiveness, transgression, forgiveness. And... Paul felt that God says there, there, there could be a better way. Perhaps maybe if it's not so heavy-handed in terms of trying to remember all the laws, because even by the time that Paul was doing his ministry, there were well over 600 different Levitical and covenantal laws that people were mindful of. You can't keep all of those things in your head. It's like trying to keep the legal code of the United States or even the state of Iowa in your head. I'm sorry, you can't do it. And you can be a great legal mind, but even then, sometimes you have to go back to the books and go, what's that statute again? Because things just kind of, there's, there are more laws than there is patience, nor time, nor ability to comprehend. So God says, I don't want to have my divinity obscure by all these rules and regulations. I do want my people to be observant. I do want them to know that I love and care for them. But if they get lost in the shuffle of constantly trying to figure out, does God want me to do this or does God want me to do I'm going to make it easy for them. I'm going to incarnate my spirit. I will come into the world as one of them. Right? Walking, talking, eating, drinking, having all the good things, hanging out with lost boys. I will enter into the world as one of them. I will live amongst them as one of them. And then they will learn my law by being able to see it in the flesh. The living, breathing example of God with us. So Paul is saying that the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. So now we transfer our attentions from that Mosaic law, which Moses schlepped down the mountain, to now a man who entered in this seemingly innocent situation, enters into the world as an infant, into the world as a dependent, into the world as almost inconspicuous. And as we place our focus and our attentions on him, we begin to see the love of God sort of unfurl in front of us. What we see in Christ is the imprint that God wanted, it's the point where God wanted us to get to, 
But we got lost in the letter of the law. We got lost in the heavy hand of the disciplinarian. We got lost because we were always reminded of how we didn't measure up. So we never really truly knew how we could excel. Because there was no one there to love us into that change. Only to remind us of the times when we missed the mark. So enter Jesus, who's this individual who is long on patience and short on disapproval. I mean, he doesn't have time for disapproval, but he has infinite patience and love and pardon, and he meets us where we're at. And he tells us that we're not alone, and he shows us the way. I mean, that's even more significant, is that Jesus actually becomes the way towards a life in God. So when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, reading from Galatians, born under the law. So Jesus came into the world that was still bound by this Mosaic law. And in order to redeem those who are under the law, so God says, let me enter into the world as one of them, live in accordance with the same things that I am holding them accountable for, except he will do so with a sense of perfection. And all we need to do, our response, what's our response, is to turn to him. So we don't have to go back and be well-versed in religious lore, religious law. We don't have to have books, heaping books of rules and regulations on, on how to be faithful individuals. What we need to do is have the gospel set before us and read it as often as we possibly can. Read and reflect. Read and ask questions. Read and find yourself somewhere in those pages. Because the life of Christ is not supposed to be inaccessible to us. The whole reason for Christ is because God wanted to be accessible. So we have to be clear about that. If God wanted to be obscure, I suppose we could have left the situation the way it was. That God could have continued to be a sort of mysterious, ethereal being that we talk about what we could never quite access. But when we have God who becomes a human being and who goes and eats broiled fish with his disciples on the side of the sea, that's, that's an example we can use. That's an example that we can get into. Because then it's not some dramatic shift from the intangible where you have the words of God and then you try to inhabit them. You have the likeness of God in a human being. And you can read about his deeds for yourself. And you can see that when he showed compassion on individuals, that's a pretty good indicator that we too are to show that same sense of compassion and forgiveness and love to our neighbors. So God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, that we now have this divine parent who does not seek our destruction and who does not sneak our dismissal. But what this God is saying is that I am going, I, I care for you. I care for you. I value your existence. I value your safety. I want to guide you. I want to nurture you. So, and I love the way that Paul ends this, because this is a language that his audience would understand. So you are no longer a slave, because they understood that understanding. They understood what it's like when you have 
a cruel and harsh master who says, this is what you must do, and you don't do it for the hope of reward. You do it because that's what your job is. That's what your very existence is. You do it because I say do it. But now, with the imprint of Christ, with God's Son dwelling amongst us, being one of us, we're no longer slaves. We're no longer individuals who have to observe these things because God says so. But we're children. We have now been elevated in our status. We now become heirs. And this is what's really important. The reason why I wanted to grab this Galatians passage, which I can't tell if you were frowning or not when I said, I'm reading from Galatians today. Like, what? No gospel? Is because in our church covenant, in our statement and our affirmation of faith here, what is one of the lines that we have in the very third paragraph? And you can read it for yourself. And we will consecrate our time and our talent and our substance as influence as what? As heirs of God and who? Joint heirs with Christ. Now, where do you think that they glean these words from? They glean these words from this epistle, from this understanding that Paul reminds us that once God has set his seal upon Jesus and Jesus gave accessibility to God's word to each and every one of us, we became members of the household. We became members of the family. We were grafted in. So now all of a sudden, it's not just a question of, oh, are you a Christian? Oh, are you a person of faith? It's like, I'm a member of the family. Through Christ, our older sibling, our righteous sibling, we now have partnership with God on a familial level. So it's not, it's not academic. It's not an armchair faith. It's a faith in which we realize that we are born into a greater household. And that as a result of that, we should not conduct ourselves as if there is some distinct difference between us and the other people who are members of this, of this household of faith. And this is so important for us to keep in mind. There are many, many churches across the globe, many churches, churches of every varying stripe, churches that have meet in little storefronts, rocking a little keyboard with great music, churches that are huge, huge vast cathedrals with expensive organs and professional singers. Every stripe, we are members of this vast household. And although we may not like the way that Christians interact with one another, because I, I guarantee you, sometimes we can be very nasty to one another. Oh, you go to that church. See, that's how it starts. That's how it starts. Oh, that's your preacher. Mm. Women pastors. Hmm. <laughs> so we get this sense in which, okay, all right, I get it. Christians can be difficult to deal with. That's because we forgot that we're members of the same family. Now, you just had family gatherings. So I don't have to tell you how difficult it is to deal with members of your own family. How many of you got inside the door, heard something, and said, that's it, we're going? You just, you just drop the gifts and say, I left something in the car. My keys, which will take me to my house, and I don't have to listen to this. So we all know that family can push one's buttons. This is why people of faith have a tendency to annoy other people of faith. But God reminds us, or at least Paul reminds us, that God did not call us to 
Well, he didn't, he didn't say that, that there wasn't going to be any difficulty or frustration, but he calls us to remind ourselves that as a result of being part of this household of faith, we realize that we're going to have to learn to, to share this inheritance that we have. And the inheritance that God chooses to give each and every one of us is grace. And there's not any one of us who is worthy of that grace more than anyone else. So as you prepare to exit this year and enter into the next year and probably look a lot like this one, remember, remember the members of your faith family. Be patient with them. Be extra measures of patience. Try to understand one another. Because I think what, what, I, what has been demonstrated so much this year was our unwillingness to want to understand. We, didn't want to, we, we, we just didn't want to listen anymore. We had almost given up. And I don't want us to get to that point where even our faith can no longer penetrate our rough exterior, where we are no longer open to a new idea or concept, to where we think that we have heard and learned everything that we need to know. Paul invites us into a new understanding that first of all, we are part of a vast family. We now have inheritance with God. What does that mean to you? The joy of knowing now that you've got this sort of spiritual parent who will spare no expense to see that we are moved into our proper state of being, that we become children of the light, people of grace, people of love. But what does that mean about our conduct in the public sphere, in the private sphere as well? What does that mean as we move forward? What are we willing to let go of in order to see this family play out in large epic proportions? We can't kid ourselves. There's lots of work to be done when we define ourselves as Christians, followers of Christ. And if we are unwilling to do that work, then we we fly in the face of the inheritance that God wants to give us. That's my meditation as you spend these last few days thinking about what this year has meant for you. I know what it's meant for me and I'm still mulling that over. But if nothing else, as I, a final punctuation on this thought is, is that I realized during the course of this year that I have a lot more to learn about myself and my expectations, about how I, how I hope to live in partnership with others. And I think that I'm not alone in that thinking. I think all of our buttons have been pushed in some way during the course of this year, but we're still here. And as a result of being here, it means that 
we're still open to some new wisdom. So be patient and kind to yourself and patient and kind to one another. I wish you a safe and a productive uh, conclusion to this year as you take care of the business at hand. But I also wish you a joyful and an edifying 2021. Merciful God, 
We thank you for the incarnation, for the work that you put into making yourself more accessible to us. We always appreciate when things are made more accessible, when things are explained to us in ways that we can understand, when perhaps maybe even the rules are explained to us, the tasks demonstrated to us by someone who knows. It's so much easier when we can see it done. A tutor to provide us the way before we are released to our own devices and then are able to continue on. We are honored to be called your children, honored to be part of this great household of faith. We accept all responsibilities for the times when we have muddied the waters, when we have been disagreeable with members within our own congregation or inter-congregation, when we have rejected the call to serve, when we have just felt too busy to be bothered with prayer, study, devotion, when we just didn't feel the spirit. You've probably heard all of our excuses from throughout the ages and none of them have any credibility. It's just not going to wash with you. I think you have made it as accessible as we possibly can to get to you. There's still some things that are required on our part, the gift of faith, the willingness to believe, and then to show up to do something about it. We thank you for these opportunities that you have given us for houses of worship that are inviting, you know, that make us want to actually sort of be connected with the body of Christ. We thank you for messengers that help us to comprehend the message and try to speak to us and not over us. We thank you for the many members in our community who have forgiven us for the times when we've disappointed them. And they told us, not a problem, no worries, it's all forgotten. That is the most encouraging and salient example of your love, is when we accept a responsibility for a mistake we made and somebody gives us absolution and says, hey, I I'm not even thinking about that anymore. You know, these signs of your gracious love that abound all over help us not to be too busy to notice them. Help us not to be so wrapped up in our own earthly matters that we forget to do our spiritual homework. We ask a prayer on those who are still sick and suffering, many more being placed in hospital, even as vaccines are rolling out and being administered, but it is a slow process. And we know that there will be individuals who will take sick before the vaccines can get to them. We ask, Lord, for continued patience in us as we wait for all of this to play out and realize that we have a part to play as well, that we still have to be vigilant. We still have to think safe and act safe. We can't just throw it all to the wind. We have to 
continue to play doggone it by those rules. But these are rules that are set in love. We think about the concern for those around us and we say, you know what? I value your life. I hope you value mine. That's a pretty even trade. It's a nice thing to say to someone. I value your life. So let us do what we can to demonstrate the valuing of life in a variety of areas. We ask, Lord, that your blessing be upon the people of Nashville who are trying to figure out what is going on. This Christmas bomber. We don't know any more than what they're telling us, and what they're telling us is not much. So I ask, Lord, that you would be with the folks from Tennessee and Nashville in particular, because this is not how they wanted to spend their Christmas. Sometimes it all seems a bit too much, doesn't it? That you wish you could just get one day of rest, one day without any chaos, one day without any insincerity, any violence, any destruction, just one day, just one day where you might actually be able to be silly and stupid and ignorant and not have to worry about what's going wrong in the world. We couldn't even get that this year, could we? Couldn't, couldn't just give us one day. We didn't have to think about destruction. Wow. That's the world we live in, isn't it? Work with us, God, because we don't know when the next thing's going to break out and how we're going to respond. Just help us not to be a part of it. For those who come to you just as they are, we ask your blessing be upon them and that you would receive the prayers that they lift up to you today, both joys and concerns. Hear them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for receiving these, the prayers of your people. We ask that you would let your grace fall upon us as we pray as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I invite you to ready your communion kits as I read our statement of faith. We covenant with the Lord and with one another, and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in his holy ways. We will strive to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to be firm in faith, quickened in hope, and constant in charity. And we will consecrate our time, talent, substance, and influence as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ.
Gracious and most merciful God, allow us once again to come to you with hearts ready to unburden themselves from the weight that we carry. We know that you don't take all of our weight. You teach us how to bear our burdens. But for those things that have been weighing down our conscience and have been made us disagreeable various parts of this year, help us to unburden ourselves on this last Sunday of 2020. Now, if we just have to kind of spend some moments with you so we can enter into the new year with a, a better conscience and perhaps maybe a, an improved attitude, that would be wonderful. And it would be great if you could be our partner on that journey. Help us to receive you as you receive us. Wholeness. With love. And with forgiveness. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He took bread. And when he had blessed it, he took it and he says, This is my body which has been given for you. Take, eat, and remember it to me. Together they shared the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the remission of sins. Let us take the cup of salvation. Loving and most merciful God, thank you. Thank you for being mindful of us. Thank you for leading us through this Christmas season and into the New Year celebrations. Thank you for allowing us to think about things other than what's in it for us to see the bigger picture, to remind us that we are members of a large spiritual family and that the call for patience is not an artificial one, but it is real, it has real stakes, and we have to have skin in that game. So we ask, Lord, that you would let your blessing fall upon us as we ready ourselves to go out into the world and lay a blessing upon both Reg and Sarah Freilinger, little Foster, as they celebrate a wedding anniversary this week as the year begins to flip. God bless and keep each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Marilyn. 
Definitely get that bad hair out. <laughs> Please rise for the blessing. <laughs> and now may the grace of God, the love of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you now and always. May it keep you and guide you in peace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy New Year.